Welcome to the Big Black Clock Podcast, the wrist-tickling world of virology, brought to you by the dynamic duo of two Montreal watch enthusiasts. Enjoy dad jokes and bed puns as we deep dive into new releases, trends, reviews, and everything watch-related. Now sit back and rest assured you'll have a good time. Welcome back to the Big Black Clock. This is our first episode of the year, January 2024. Happy New Year, Dimitri. Happy New Year to you as well. <laughs> so you sound like you had a, a good New Year <laughs> party. <laughs> it's just that it's very unusual for us to exchange pleasantries, you know? I know. I, exactly. I, I was waiting for like a trick. Is there, is there a prank <laughs> somewhere <laughs> coming up? That's why when you give a hug, it's like this weird like hug that you <laughs> kind of get ready in a Greco-Roman style wrestling position. Like in, in the case you're going to stone brothers. cold stun me. <laughs> exactly. You kind of in a What'd you do for New Year's? Did you do anything special? I, Family, friends? I ate a lot. Yeah. I ate a lot of food. I ate a lot of food, as I, usual. As usual, it's uh, the biggest struggle around holidays is to make sure that I don't have to buy new pants because yeah. mine become all of a sudden too small. Yeah. That's the biggest struggle. That was the same for me. It's a good problem me. to have, I guess. I read somewhere that there's like an average of like 10 to, to 8 to 10 pounds gained by men. Oh, really? I think it was by men, men. It was 8 to 10 pounds over the last like two and a half weeks or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's a lot. Okay, two and a half weeks, yeah. I think I gained, no joke, I think I gained maybe about four pounds. So there you go. So someone the, who gained 10, you know, there's, your, there's your average of seven, eight there. Um, but you know what's actually, like, speaking of that gain, the most absolute insane weight gain for me was like a few years ago, I went down south to the Dominican for a week. And that was a very nice resort. Food quality was fantastic. Alcohol, obviously, open bar. And they would like bring your food on the beach. So you go on the beach yeah. and then <laughs> they, they pass by every twenty minutes and like, hey, go anywhere. Would you like some? Would you like something to drink? Like, uh, yeah. What would you like? Um, what do you have? Anything? Okay, I'll have that. And then and then they're like, would you like to eat something also? I'm like, well, what do you have? Well, we have fish tacos, fresh fish. And it's like, mm, yeah, okay. So just just imagine every day was. Uh, we wake up in the morning, breakfast, then fish tacos, then lunch, then fish tacos, then supper, then and alcohol in between. That's incredible. I, I gained, I gained ten pounds yeah. in one week, <laughs> and I can't say that um, absolutely insane. And that's the danger of those. The, it's it just shows how easy it is to gain the weight, right? It's unreal, unreal. And there's unreal, a huge it's actually, like you, you're not moving, right? Yeah. There's a huge you're intake just sitting now on the beach of and um, eating, drinking. gym memberships too now because of it. It's like the biggest month of gym memberships. Everyone's signing up. It's a new me, new year. Blah, but blah, it's blah. also the resolutions, you know? It's the resolutions that last for like a, a month and then everybody goes back to before. And then, then they start waiting for the next year again. So this episode is dedicated to our resolutions for 2024 from a watch perspective and as well as what our predictions are. And we'll, let, we'll see which ones we keep up or hold up or which ones hold up or come true sort of thing. But before we get into that, let's do a little wrist check. What are you wearing? I'm uh, wearing my mine Hudson 38 MK4. Excellent watch. I've talked about it for many, 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 many times. Now that I have the uh, the momentum, I kind of started to split time between this and the momentum. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm, you know, I'm kind of still like in the honeymoon with the, the momentum, the sequence I'm talking about. Uh, but this mine was so amazing. And I think I, I mentioned it before that I used to have a Seiko SPB 143. As soon as I bought the Mayan, the SPB was for sale immediately. That's right. how good it is. And again, I, I can't 
I can't. And that's a fifteen hundred dollar watch versus like a thousand dollar watch after taxes every day. Right? That's the other thing. That's the other thing. Seiko was about fifteen hundred bucks yeah. Canadian. Yeah. And this mine, I think, when I bought it uh, when it just came out, and I think I got a bit of a pre-order discount. I, I paid like seven hundred Canadian dollars. But I think right, you said so duties and everything all in. It was something like little less than a thousand. Maybe seven fifty. Seven fifty on that little. Was, I thought it, it was, was less. It was less than eight hundred total. I, okay. I don't know exactly how much, but it was less than a hundred with duties. So which so, was insane. So it's like. 45% cheaper than the Seiko. It gives you an idea yeah, how good that exactly. watch is. Yeah. I, exactly. I know I'm, you know, praising mine uh, a lot on this podcast, but honestly, uh, for anybody who's actually experienced uh, this brand, I can't praise them enough. They're, I'm they're glad that you connected so much with not only that watch, but a micro brand as well. I think that's really cool. I think it's it shows the the evolution in one's watch journey. And I think it, it's, it's, you know, it's important to keep in mind the, um, what they can offer and giving it a chance because sometimes you might be pleasantly surprised. And, and the biggest, uh, let's say eye opening moment for sure was when we went to the wind up uh, the first time. Yeah. Uh, last year, or previous, the year before, sorry. Uh, you know, when you actually get to see and look and talk to the people and, uh, touch the watches and see how well they built, the guy you it's, said watches. <laughs> touch the people, see the people, touch the people. <laughs> see how well they're built. Exactly. Taste them. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, there's an awkward silence. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so once you touch them, you uh, yeah. were convinced. <laughs> <laughs> once you touch them, you, you, you can now go back. <laughs> My God, your face is so soft. I'm sold. <laughs> Confessions of a serial killer. <laughs> mm, you smell so good. I'll take one of these Mayan Hudson, please. <laughs> Uh, go on our website, please. <sighs> oh, no. Uh, what are you wearing? I am wearing a uh, Ming 1709 burgundy on the Ming uh, bracelet. Bracelet's insane. Very expensive, though, when they came out with it. It's a universal bracelet, but this thing looks like a, like a million bucks, I'm telling you. Well, I think I've seen this in, uh, in person on the, on the bracelet. I was no. wearing a wind-up, but it was this... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it was such a... It's been like... I like it. I don't wear it as often as I should, but it's such a hit when we go out. Like when we went to wind up the last two years, I wore it because I'm like, oh, I'm going to go with something a micro brand. I want to wear something that's, you know, different and good for the whole weekend. And I, I that's what I wore. And man, it was just, oh my god, you're wearing a mink. Can I see it? Like all of the booths, a lot of the booths, it happened. Even a watch time, it was the same thing. So it gets a lot of love, probably more love than I give it. But yeah. Anywho. But it's it's one of those brands that is very very popular and very difficult to get. So, yeah, it's elusive and very popular in the enthusiast world. I think comparing maybe to like Corona Tokyo could be something else that you'd be like, oh my god, you have a Corona, that's so cool. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see one in the wild. Yeah, so you managed to get one. Well, all right, let's jump right into it. Uh, what do we got here? Is a release? You got a release for us to talk about? I got something in the news. One. Why don't you go first? Yeah, I have a, a few releases. So one is the, the one that I just saw. I think it just literally, like we're recording today's Saturday, uh, January 6th. By, I think it just appeared in the news book yesterday. It's the new Seiko SPB 439. So Seiko has basically, you know, released a very popular GMT complication a couple of years ago that was very inexpensive as part of their Seiko 5s. But they've also released, let's say, uh, the older brother, or you know, what a better way of saying it, to that movement in the form of the 6R54, I think, which is basically the GMT movement that corresponds to their higher, more expensive lines, the prospect lines. 
Uh, I guess it's uh, an equivalent of, let's say, uh, 6R, I, I want to butcher it. 35? 6R36. 36, 6R36 yeah. is the movement that they put in the, the Prospects watches like the SVB 143. And uh, uh, this one is the GMT version of it. I mean, like, uh, just to give a bit more details about, details about this watch, I think it's a great looking watch it's it's the it's part of their prospects collection that includes uh, different um, series different themes some of them are called black series some of them are paddy editions and uh, save the ocean this this is a save the ocean model it is the like they, they release different versions iterations of it but this one is the uh, prospects diver uh, gmt arctic ocean spb 439 combines dive uh, watch functions and attractive design and also the gmt movement so what I think is very cool is because there's two things that I noticed right away. It's a, a good size. It's 42 millimeters by 12.9 in height only, which is, I think, fantastic. Seriously, like, this is amazing. Again, comes with the standard uh, Prospects line, uh, 200 meters of water resistance, and that 6R34 movement. That 6R34 movement in-house, obviously, it's an automatic movement with 72 hours power reserve and an independent GMT hand, which, again, makes it a true GMT, which is awesome. Design of the watch stainless steel, uh, it's a very nice, because it's an Arctic-related theme, the dial has that kind of, it looks like ice, or icy snow, or Arctic, and it's a nice texture to it. White dial with applied markings, uh, like a light blue GMT hand. You know, in terms of the rest of the pieces of the de design of the dial, it's very similar to the other Prospects watches. One thing I, I think of that I noted that I really, really like is that uh, the bezel itself has very, very pronounced knurling, kind of like the similar uh, recent releases of the Marine Masters, where Seiko started to make it more aggressive on the knurling side. You can see it easily in the pictures because from every angle you can literally see the the teeth of the of the bezel. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, another thing to note here is that the the bezel itself is is it sapphire or no? Or is it ceramic? I think it's a ceramic bezel. Ceramic, yeah, yeah, which is very cool. Stainless steel bracelet, I guess we'll see how good the bracelet is. Uh, you know, you never really expect too much from Seiko. However, I got to say that the Prospects lines, the watches are a bit more expensive. The bracelets are much better quality than the, the Seiko 5s and, and the rest. So this... this the, and last thing, sorry. Last thing yeah. is the watch is going to be a limited edition, I think, of 1,500 pieces available, I think, immediately and priced at 1,800 euros. I, I love it. I absolutely love it. So this this um, version itself, the Save the Ocean, you know, it was going to come. They come in with all their lines. This Marine Master 200 is the iteration of the MM200. Initially, it's like the baby Marine Master 300, which is that big, thick monoblock case. So it takes on some of that really great ruggedness that you're talking about with the bezel, the depth, even the hands that is found in the 300. And then they brought it into a 200, which is a little bit more than the skin diver that you had in the SPB 143. That's about 1500 bucks, etc. Um, and it comes in with that nice GMT movement. I love this watch, even when it came out before the Save the Ocean version with the typical black one, the GMT. It's one of the, I think, better GMTs you can get at about 2000 bucks, um, and better looking ones as well. This one has that ruggedness that you may be looking for, but it's not over rugged like the 300, and it's not too much skin diver, daily that driver, you want to wear something rugged. This is like right there in between it, and it's not too flashy, and it's good looking. I've tried it on. It's a great bracelet. I had them. I had the this version, but not the GMT in the green, the Marine Master Two Hundred. It's a beautiful watch. So, you know, the, you had the limited edition, right? The green yeah, one. Yeah, the green one. Yeah. That, that one. I really, really like that one. It's the same as this watch without a GMT, but it doesn't have the same be uh, bezel. 
This other than the, the Nurling is an introduction. But this, the handset, right. yeah, the depth, yeah. the case shape where the crown at four, it's all the same. It's a great watch. Um, yeah. And it's and it sits just right at forty-two millimeters. Not too big, not too small. It's very Goldilocks first. Good job on Seiko on this one. And last uh, point on this for anybody, which is people like me who kind of regrets not owning a SKX when it was available. Right now, you can buy an SKX right now for a thousand bucks. About granted, obviously, this is going to be almost three times more expensive. But this is a shaped similar to an SKX. And it is a good Seiko. It's one of the ones that's like really, really high quality. Is it that much more? No, I thought it'd be more like two thousand bucks. This watch isn't it like twenty two hundred bucks. This is eighteen hundred euros, so it's quite a bit. If you look okay. at Canadian, yeah, it's going to be quite a bit. Considering also you have to pay duty. Yeah, because I think I saw it in Classic Creations for like twenty two ninety five. Maybe it's this just one. A, Maybe yeah. yeah. Um, if you look it up and look, just Google it, and it'll come up yeah. with Classic Creations or Anne Louise. Well, eighteen hundred euros right now is twenty six hundred Canadian dollars. Okay. I'm assuming if you, so I saw it at twenty two. That's how they price it. 000. Yeah, but this is a limited edition. Maybe that's why. Yeah. All right. News out of the watch world. I think an important one. I want to know what your thoughts are. LVMH announced changes uh, January first. The young Frédéric Arnaud, who was the CEO most recently of Tag Heuer, is now going to be the CEO of LVMH Watches, which oversees their three main brands. One being Tag Heuer, which he was the CEO, Hublot, and Zenith. Julien Tornard, who was the ex CEO of Zenith, becomes the CEO of Tag Heuer, and Benoit de Clerc succeeds Tornard as Zenith CEO. So what do you think of this? I'll give my first thoughts. I think, of course, there's nepotism there. I think they're preparing Frédéric to take over all of the LVMH potentially. Who knows? He's uh, done a really good job at Tag Heuer, bringing out all of the all of the old catalog of Jack Heuer, the glass box, the skipper being re-released. He's done some really nice things uh, with the Monaco, the, in, the in-house caliber that you find in the 12. Great stuff in Tag Heuer. Now, what does it mean though? I think that Julien... Uh, Tonard was the CEO of Zenith. Now he's going to be moving into the CEO of Tag Heuer. I think it's going to be rough for Zenith because I think that Zenith has just started to find its strides in the last like five, six years. The, the Chronomaster Sport has done some really great things. They found that with Julien Torneau and now they're going to be moving on to a new CEO. So maybe Zenith might struggle a little bit on that front. I don't know. I think we'll see what... Benoit de, is this his name? Benoit, um, no, Benoit um, de Clerc is going to be taking over uh, Zenith as the CEO, right? So, so as, as they're doing these musical chairs, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Zenith is the one that might get the shortest end of the stick in this. I think Hublot might benefit from having Frédéric Arnaud at the helm of all of LVMH. I think Tag Heuer will be okay under uh, Julien um, Tonnerre. But it's going to be really Zenith, the question mark to me on what, how they respond. They found some stability, uh, but now with the new Z CEO, we'll see how it all works out. Uh, mind you, they probably had a lot in their, in their pipeline. It, it, you know, the same thing happened in Bremont. David Serrato came in and now he's making little changes along the way until he's going to say, I'm bringing in a new affordable, he wanted to bring a new affordable Ultimate Sports Watch. So I want to see what happens with their identity, but it's big news that's there. I think it's excellent for Frédéric Arnaud, good for him. A lot of people say, meh, it's just another uh, a young kid who's taking over because daddy gave him the job, but um, <laughs> which is true. <laughs> it is true. I mean, he, he's 28 years old. <laughs> oh, 29 is what I read. Is, so come on, let's be fair. <laughs> I, 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 I see. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. It says he was born on November 7th, 1995. He just turned 
28. Just turned 28. Just turned 28. It's crazy. Fine. The soon yeah, to be 29 year old. You know what he looks like to me? He looks like George Russell. He looks exactly like George Russell, yes, but with a but much worse haircut. A lot, but a lot uh, more money. A lot more money, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's nice to be rich. Well, we'll see where it goes. Uh, He's not rich. Again, they're, they're keeping it wealthy. in the family. <laughs> There's a difference to be wealthy. <laughs> What's that term uh, people use? It's... Um, Old money. <laughs> Old money, yeah. Old money, yeah. <laughs> so Benoit de Clerc, the last thing that I think he released was maybe a Panerai in the last little while. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, with that um, with that move. But uh, I'm excited for it. I think it's good for them all around. Yeah, uh, I, I, I have no comments. It's interesting to see what's going to happen. Uh, I'm sure the guys qualified. They, they wouldn't, you know, the, at the end of the day, Regardless of him being whatever, uh, the son of Bernard Arnault or not, uh, the person in charge of such a huge company has to be qualified he for did, the job. Did a good and job way, at, right? at Tag Heuer. So, 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 so yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, it's nice that they're keeping it in the family. Yeah. <laughs> Don't check my browsing history. <laughs> straight to jail. Straight to jail. Oh, straight, straight to jail. Did you see that I sent you that thing about group chat gets leaked? Straight to jail. Straight to jail. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, immediate. Yeah. For uh, for our listeners, we were talking about a clip from uh, the show called Parks and Rec, where they have a delegation from Ecuador, I think. Venezuela, right, and the, or Ecuador. It's Venezuela, Ecuador. Ecuador. Okay. Probably yeah. Venezuela. So no, I think the, Venezuela. the president basically talks about how you know, no, no matter what you do, you you you're late for your dentist appointment, you go to jail. You overcook fish, you go to jail. Undercook fish, you go to jail. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> because they have the best patients in the world. Nobody's ever late for their appointment. Exactly. <laughs> so, anyways, what did you have next as a release? Did you have another release? So I have a few a few quick ones. Maybe I'll go faster. So one of them I, I can't remember. You might have probably talked about this already because it's a it's a pretty nice watch. It's just that there's some recent event that happened to it, which we haven't mentioned. It's the brand called Raymond Wheel. The watch co- is called Millesime. Uh, we don't talk about Raymond Wheel a lot, uh, but this is, I think, quite interesting because be this fair, watch that they did. Not many do. <laughs> yeah, but it is true. And you know what? It's it's nice that this happened. Recently, they won the 2023 GPHD Awards in the category of the best watch under 2,000 Swiss francs, which I think is a super tough category to win because there's a lot of really good stuff at that price. And they want this watch. This watch is a uh, like um, automatic small seconds uh, sector dial style watch. Gorgeous watch. Absolutely gorgeous. I think like absolutely deservingly they won in this category. And it is inexpensive. You know what, if you think of Longines being the king of that kind of price bracket, look at this watch. I think it really gives Longines a good run for its money. It's it's, it's quite amazing. Well, I like this watch There's when it much... was released by Longines, the sector dial. This is yeah, to me the same but thing. this is gorgeous. And to, but, but I'm gonna... is, I think this one has a bit more detail. It, it, it has more angles, more curves, I think, yeah. if, if you know what I mean. You know... And it's funny you say it. So GPHD, for anyone who doesn't know, it's kind of like the Oscars in watchmaking. They do like a bunch of categories, nominations, and being nominated is great. And They send out the award. Even being nominated, I thought was good for Raymond Wheel. But I saw this, I was like, great. It's the Longines sector dial. It's be- nice. I wonder, can I ask you a question? Honestly, do you think that it would be as popular or we'd be having this discussion had it not won? Or just been like, yeah, good job on them. Hope they keep doing stuff like this. Um. No, obviously. I think not. people well, are geeking sure. out now sure. because they won. It's, a, it's like, the oh. same thing of Ferland Murray, right? It's the Ferland Murray concept. Yeah. 
right? Uh, it's it's that, right? Because they won, everybody wants them. Uh, there is that. I'm sure that there's this angle that. But it, I'm really happy for him and Will because not only that you know they've produced something I think really amazing. The reason why you mentioned before that you know nobody's talking about them a lot is because there wasn't much to talk about. Right, right. So it'd be kind of boring or underwhelming. Their watches, what I see. But this seems like anything but underwhelming or boring. And I I hope that this is step one maybe in future. And then I'm excited to see what else they make. What what they do this year. That's a very good point. Yeah, I'm a. I agree. I hundred percent agree. When I look when I look at this watch, um, I'm like, well, well done. Nice color scheme. They produce quite a lot of watches. I just looked it up. Uh, they do. They're all under like two hundred thousand pieces per year. And they're under but the they swatch a lot group, of, like quartz and not. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean. So it's like okay, it's, it's, it's a lot of watches. A lot of watches. Yep. They managed to sell them, right? Yeah. Rado, Raymond Wheel. They still managed to sell. They're part of the swatch group that fought the of the quartz crisis. I think it's interesting. I think it looks like the Longines. I think it was a good executed watch. I was like, good, wow, that's a, the best looking Raymond Wheel, definitely that I've seen in many many years. Nothing has attracted me from what they created. Um, but they're kind of like that more like oh, we have more affordable Longines. That's what it kind of is, and we're more elegant than Hamilton. I don't know. It kind of like fits into that thing. We're a little bit more elegant than Tissot, a little bit more elegant than Hamilton. Elegant, I mean. Mm-hmm. Hamilton's all about the, the 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 functional watch, right? To me, that's where their home runs are in their field mechanicals and their chronograph and their watches and movies. Are you sure that Raymond Will is under Swatch? Isn't it? I thought it was. I don't think so. I think it's independent. Yeah, I'm just, I, I was, like, when you said that, I was kind of, conf- I think we might have been, there's another brand that we might have been thinking of. Oh, no, you're uh, right. It's still on the ownership of the Wheel family it, since 1976 when they came yeah. out. That's, okay, that's good credibility on them. Okay, I'm sorry, they're independent. The, the watch the watch isn't old enough. Uh, sorry, the watch brand is, itself isn't super old. It's founded by Raymond Wheel in 1976. Yeah. It's still his family. And right now, it's managed by Ellie Bernheim, who is the Raymond yeah. Wills grandson. So it's, 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 a, it's a company that's Good for them. independent and uh, family owned. I stand yeah. corrected. I was probably thinking of Rado or... or... Uh, I'm pretty sure you're sitting corrected. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so many humors just flying around. Why are you like this? <laughs> Why are you like this? It's a, it's a curse. It's the, it's, a cr- it's the it's the it's the vast it's the vast emptiness inside of my head. That it's like you made a joke at his funeral. <laughs> it's a curse. <laughs> okay. X. Okay, and and uh, you have anything else? I have one more that I wanted to quickly mention. Uh, we do in time. Yeah, go for it. So this one is not necessarily a new release. However, it's a limited edition from Ball that is still available. And recently, there's just maybe they just just started shipping them because you can still go online and buy. This is the Ball Engineer M Skin Diver Three Beyond. Yes, you heard me right. There are a lot of names, a lot of words in that name. However, just because the name is so complex, the watch itself is pretty subtle, pretty easy, and one of the probably more simple watches from their um, model line. So. Why I think it's, again, as anything Ball, we had a full episode. I'm really a huge fan of Ball watches. I, I like the history, especially of, you know, they come from railroading. And I think most of their current offerings are centered around the engineer models. This is a skin diver, as you can probably see from the name. It features a, a simple three-hand plus date design with optimal legibility. As usual, you have the tritium tubes. It includes like a subtle uh, sunburst style, 
It's a 41.5 millimeter diameter, 13.8 thick. The watch, uh, 300 meters of water resistance. It has a sapphire uh, bezel, sapphire crystal. It has a 80 hours of power reserve and a COSC certified movement, limited edition to a thousand pieces. Watch itself is stainless steel. The case itself is a mix of brushed and polished surfaces, drilled lugs, coin-aged bezel, nice engraving on the back. Um, it's, it has an H-link uh, bracelet that matches the case finish, has a butterfly clasp with micro-adjustments, half-links provided as well. On spec-wise, it's a beautiful watch. As usual, anything from Ball is just indestructible. I think it's pretty good size for... Um, for like a diver watch, 41.5, 13.8. It's a bit on the thicker side, but it's still manageable, I think. Not too big. Ball, which I think watches in general are large. So if you look compared to other ball watches, this is not oversized. Right. And again, it's a limited edition, 1,000 pieces, 36.99 US. Quite expensive, but you get a cost-certified diver that is built like nothing else. Very good. I want to share one thing. It's a release, but I'm not going to talk about it. It's going to lead to my first prediction for the year. Longines Master. Yeah, me too. Let's, Long, let's not talk about yeah, it. Yeah, the Longines Master Collection released a GMT. <laughs> now, the, there's two models, one in 18 karat yellow gold and 18 karat rose gold, limited to 500 pieces each. Typical Master Collection, Roman numerals, date at the six, precious metal cases. Very expensive, 14,000, 15,000 US dollars each for a full gold 18 karat watch. Now, what that means to me, though, what I wanted to share is what is going to be the color of this year? I think that in 2023, color was purple, like the movie, The Color Purple. I think there's a lot of purple. I don't know why. That's what I, I, I was trying to look. There's a lot of purple watches. What are the examples of the purple watches? Boy, put me on the spot. Like, I'm trying to think. Uh, Maybe it was the color of what's it called? Um, of money? No. I think it was the color of uh, only watch. What else is purple? Color of the sun, what? water. <laughs> uh, but I'm pulling out here. Orange juice. Rowing, so Seiko had the rolling, rowing blazers, limited edition. The Seiko yeah. Presage SPB361. Yeah. We also saw Oris come out with the Aquas Holston edition. Christopher Ward released um, their, um, what's it called? Excuse me. Their Belcanto in purple. Zenith came out with their chrono, uh, the Zenith El Primero uh, chronograph with a purple dial. Uh, we had never seen purple before 2023. King Seiko came out with a, a purple dialed version of their um, King Seiko. Um, it's like the, their all-arounder oyster, uh, sorry, their Datejust alternative. Formix came out with their field watch in purple. Yeah, the Christopher Ward, the 12, yeah. apart from Belcanto, also has a, I think it's the titanium the titanium version in a purple dial. A, like a smoky, smoky purple. Ferrer also came out with the Discovery 2 in purple. There's some really insane, expensive watches too. And Ordain, I saw them. Um, okay. And fair. even Arcus, the one that I bought that was from Canada, they also had, did a purple dial watch that was there. Sartori Bial, Minassi. Hoyer Monaco also came out with one of their uh, dials in purple. I know. I'm, I'm just making the point. Louis Serrault had so, a yeah, version you, of their you, you, Awake, you, a brand that I follow, had one in there. Uwerk had a purple dial. I just hadn't seen before this year any purple. So it doesn't matter. What, what, are, we, what are we talking about for 2024? And the reason I was mentioning the, the Longines, I feel that gold or gold tone or these two tones are having a little bit of a moment. I think we're seeing more of them. 
I think and my prediction this year, color aside, I think we're going to be seeing a lot more gold. Brew came out with a gold version of their metric. We're seeing some two-tone watches. Timex is doing stuff. Everyone's, I don't know, everyone turning around, there's a gold version. Baltic just now, right? Baltic came out with that gold line of their thing. Yes, exactly. And I don't think it's going to stop there. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some more not only full gold or proper gold, but like gold tone, gold PVD, gold covered, and like so two tones maybe. Like two tones. I'm I don't know. That's my that's my first prediction, and I like it. I think it's fun. I think it's good to have these these fun watches, even if they're gold plated. If they're I think technology as well has gotten really good, so they can make really good quality gold PVD watches. So I'm sure those Baltics are great. One little nick and they won't scratch off. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what that's my first prediction of 2023. That's pretty good. Uh, I kind of I think I agree with you, and I would like to maybe say also that um, the two tone would be nice to have a like a vintage kind of style two tones or vintage style gold watches. So which is what basically Baltic did, right? When they did um, a release of pretty much all of their models in gold or gold coated or gold covered, whatever the the proper wording is that is brushed instead of polished right to make it to give it a a vintagey feel i think that is very interesting and i hope that to see more of that from other brands and i'm assuming oh yeah it's fun i'm assuming that obviously if you look at brands like longin yeah they will probably do an actual gold watch right because it's a different price bracket companies like baltic have to still maintain their uh, prices right they can and and they probably will have to go the like the gold coat uh, the gold code, gold PVD, gold PVD exactly. route instead of actual gold cases. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But I'll give you another one. Like Longines has, for example, not all fully gold. They have something called not gold wrapped. That's Tudor. But if you look at their like Hydro Conquest, they have a bluesy. That thing's like two thousand bucks. It's gold PVD, but it's stronger than the typical old um, cheap gold plated watches that you would find. So it goes, it's harder to, you won't scratch this off as much. So I think technology has gotten good enough. We sh- we, they should explore that more. I think it's going to be yeah. a lot more fun. Gold is underutilized. I think it's great. Yeah, agree, agree. Um, all right, so on my side, I'm not going to go into colors because we just talked about this, which makes sense. Unless you had a prediction for color that you want to share no, as well? No, not really. No? Not really. But for colors, it's tough. It's tough to know it's it's tough to it's tough to predict those. You can just guess based on the things that you like, but prediction is tough. Um, one thing I and I've mentioned it earlier this year when Omega went to Greece to do a huge reveal of multiple different models of uh, Seamaster, right? When they when they kind of hinted that there's going to be a new Seamaster release, they did all of the Seamaster versions, including Ploprof as well, um, earlier this year. And I was so excited to t- to talk about how oh maybe this is the moment when they released the new. Seamaster 300M. No, it wasn't. However, no, it wasn't. However, I doubled down that the new Seamaster 300M is going to be released this year because of the following reasons. <laughs> and the following, and the, and the reasons, are, and the reason, and the following <laughs> the reasons, reasons are. and the following reasons are starting right now, <laughs> as follows, as, fo- <laughs> as follows. So, uh, Omega Seamaster 300M specifically was released in. 1993, two years before GoldenEye. So last year, the watch was 30 years old, and I thought, okay, well, 30 years old, that's you know a good time to celebrate by releasing a new version. It wasn't the case. The first model was released in 1993, 
then Generation 2, Gen 2 was in 2006, then Gen 3 was in 2012, and finally, the most recent one, Gen 4, is in 2018. So since 2006, Omega has been updating the versions every six years precisely. 2018 was the last version. Now it's 2024. Exactly six years. I think this is going to be Look the year. Look at that. Look at that math. I know. Your prediction may come true. Am I smart or what? Huh? How, did you see how I... What? Yeah. <laughs> or what? <laughs> did you see how I added six? <laughs> easily? <laughs> <laughs> I, how I easily adding small integers to each other? It's, it's impressive. Fuck right? you, Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I thought I could never make it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How would I like, how do I like them apples? Take that, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Not so good, are you? <laughs> Anyways, I think, I think this year will be the year of Seamaster 300M. I, honestly, they're overdue. The pe- people, I, I have my own things. I, I complain about the bracelet a lot. You don't like the Helium Scape valve. I think Helium Scape valve has to stay because it's like an essential piece of that specific model. But, you know, if it's ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. Uh, I think that they will probably maybe update the movement a little bit. I think they will, I hope they will update the bracelet kind of like what they did with the Speedmaster because the Speedmaster also had more of a, like a Thule bracelet. That's the version that I have. And then they upgraded it to more like a, like a pre 2000 model version of a bracelet that ca- that tapers quite a bit. Right. If they do it, I am running to the store hundred percent. Like this is going to be that year. I, I, I love that watch. It, to me, it's the nicest non classic Submariner looking diver that exists. I, I I hope that's that's my first prediction and I, I really think that this is going to be the year. I'm going to continue with Omega. Second prediction, I think they release a white Speedmaster. Daniel Craig's been caught wearing uh, pictures, wearing it. Pretty seems like pretty much a, a gimme. But they need to do something new. I'm looking at the Globemaster, the Constellation line. That's what I was looking. I was doing some research. I'm like, oof, that thing needs a revamp. I was underwhelmed with the Aquaterra. I think I was underwhelmed because of its price. It's like $8,500. And when I look at Tudor and what they're releasing with Master Chronometer Certified Jubilee Bracelet, Black Bay, No Bezel. I also really dislike that the, five the round date window in those. Yeah. They, they had a stepped, they had like a step, they had no step date. They just cut out the thing. You're like, geez. And then they fixed it. But I think that um, they need a revamp. They need to, I was underwhelmed with the Aquaterra, but I think the Constellation needs some love. The Globemaster, they're going to come out, obviously, with new Seamaster, like you said, and the Speedmaster. Well, Omega needs to do something. I don't know. There's keep focusing on Rolex. They need to be looking behind them to Tudor. Tudor is just doing more, I think, for the price. That's my challenge with them. Omega needs to do more on that front. They need to, and the proof is in the resale value. When you go to, like, you go to the gray market, they don't hold their value. You're like, fine, I'll, I'll wait. I'll maybe get 10%, 12 maybe 13% off on the gray market rather than paying full MSRP for but those a, watches. A question for you about that one. Are there any Swatch brands that have that increase in value? No. Maybe. Uh, that's holding? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I, All of their main, their big ones, their heavy hitters of Daniel Winston, ugh, Harry Winston, I mean Daniel Roth, Breguet, Blancpain, the Glashute Original, they all don't hold. They're great for gray market. If you want to go buy, you go buy yourself a lightly used Breguet and get incredible watchmaking for very cheap. They're just not good at holding their value on the gray market, all of those watch brands. It's just they're notorious for that. Now, Omega, though, is still trying to price itself like Rolex. Let's be honest here. Like, I don't think... How much did you pay for your Explorer? Can I ask? Yeah. Um, in Canadian, I think it was... 
just a little under 10K, so maybe 95, 9,600. A little under taxes 10K. In. And obviously, taxes in. You, you have to pay paying the same for an Aquaterra. Yeah. You'd pay the same for an Aquaterra. I find that insane to me. When a Tudor Black Bay with a master chronometer movement is like 5,500 Canadian MSRP. It, it's, it's, it, I find that shocking. And I've, and I've held the Aquaterra. It's not explorer level. Well, it's not date just level. But, but well, they just more expensive there, but the oyster perpetual, it might be oyster perpetual. Huh? Mechanically, though, it's, it's more, no? Like, it has a very good caliber. It has more water resistance. Which... Than the Tudor? Than, no, than the Explorer. No, but the Explorer has the whole brand behind it and resale value is what I'm saying. Oh, I'm just yeah, talking yeah. about watch to watch. Yeah. Compare it to the Tudor that's 5,500 bucks. I'm just... Oh, Tudor is... shocking. And I... Unbeatable. Like, you know, same as Longines, right? Uh, you can't compete uh, for that price. I was I was trying to compare. Like, I remember when that Tudor Black Bay Ceramic came out and it's comparing itself to, with the same master chronometer movement to the Omega Ceramic Diver that's like almost 40% more expensive. That's where I was like, come on. Anyway, that's my take on Omega new Speedmaster. They need to do something with the Globemaster and Constellation, please. So expect something new coming out from them. That was mine. Where did you want to go next? Um, maybe a few quick mentions about the Rolex, as usual, right? Uh, you can't. I have one Rolex one, so go. Okay. We'll go together. Yes. Okay. So Milgauss was discontinued, as we know. <laughs> Those oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. I was like coming back. Like it was, it was. I think this continued previously for like a long time. I, I can't remember. It was like something like fifteen right. or sixteen years, uh, from the sometime in the nineties until like two thousand seven or something. I you know. Don't quote me on the dates. I don't remember exactly. But it was, it was a long. It was more than ten years that it was discontinued for before they brought it back. Now Rolex has discontinued again in twenty twenty two. This could be the year. Like nothing is ever discontinued. It's like a volcano. If it's dormant, doesn't mean it's not going to. Exp- you know, ever erupt again. Um, every every brand is known for bringing back discontinued watches. So being discontinued doesn't mean anything really. They just kind of stopped production. But I think Milgauss, let's say restarting again would be amazing. But the one thing that I would really hope to see is if it looks similar to what the original uh, Milgauss was with a white dial and different color, like orange market. Oh, it was gorgeous. That would be nice. Well, the original would have been like this black bezel, diver's bezel with the Dauphine hands, the little electric. I have a poster here on my wall, right, from with the original, the original Milgauss. Oh, right. Okay, it's it's a bit okay. So yeah, it may, it may, it, this, so, the, the, I was referring to a different one. That there's they had an iteration of Milgauss that was like a white dial with an orange, like a lightning bolt, uh, second oh, hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the last gen. That was gorgeous. Uh, I would like to see that, and there is obviously there's the, there are older versions of it from I, I, don't, I don't know the years, but uh, anything with a white dial would be cool. The original, yeah, oh that'd for, be amazing uh, for me. Yeah, the uh, that's my just that's the Milgauss one. I have a couple more on the Rolex side, and you know what? I was actually leveraging the book that you guys gave me, the uh, the Rolex book. The um, Submariner is celebrating their 70th anniversary this year. Which has to be something, yeah. right? I don't know if they're going to release yeah. new iterations of the Submariner. Maybe make a couple limited editions. Maybe do uh, something of that sort. Maybe like different color variation. I don't know, but I think that they won't miss the opportunity to celebrate it by creating a new, uh, a 
different version. Uh, look, I think I still stand by it. It was the 70th anniversary? Uh, yeah, it's the 70th anniversary this year. I think 70th is platinum, so we're going to look at a platinum Submariner. If they do anything like they did with the Daytona, it's going to be underwhelming or super expensive and exclusive. Like, oh, we got an exposed case back. Great. One, a watch that no one can get. That's what's also going to suck. But like all Rolexes, no one's going to be able to get it, but it'll be fun to see how they flex. I always underestimate them and they come out with something and we go, wow, I did not expect that. And it's pretty awesome. Yep. And, and like you said, Rolex, historically, they won't do anything crazy. So people shouldn't expect something out of this world. They should expect a small update, a little thing, right? A variation. And if you kind of bring your expectations a little bit down, you will be pleasantly surprised. And I think that's right. kind of how you have to approach when you look for a Rolex to release something. Uh, Speaking of a white dial, I want to move to... Oh, are you done? Uh, I have two more. Well, I have a couple more on Rolex. Um, so the other thing is uh, GMT Master... I don't know. GMT Master, I think, might be next year because that's originally the GMT Master was released in 1955, the first one, right? GMT Master 2 was in 1982. We'll maybe see something next year. I don't know. Maybe, it depends. Right? Sometimes brands, they push it by one year forward, one year back. It, it really is not. There's no like exact connection here. Uh, maybe. Maybe there'll be something new with the GMT Master. I don't know. And finally, not that it, it will happen, but it would be interesting to see a wide dial Rolex Explorer. That's right. It. That's uh, it's always been the the ass. They had that two tone, yeah. the full gold. Now they need a wide yeah, dial. That'd be nice. You know, wide dials are a thing that you mentioned it a few times. I mentioned it a few times. I think wide dials are. It's my favorite Omega Seamaster. Is the white dial Seamaster? And you know what? It just made me think. Maybe that's the color that I that I would go with for this year. I don't know. I yeah. just have a hunch that the white dial. Like I, I have a hunch based on kind of my own preference. That the, I'm yeah. seeing white dials on different watches appear, and I'm like, "Wow, this is really cool! I wish there was more." Maybe that's going to be something that happens a bit more this year. I'll give you two insta buys, and my wishes from Tudor that conclude white dial. I hope that Tudor comes out with the GMT with the regular black bezel, not the not the Superman bezel. That's the first thing. I hope they put that in a in a white dial as well. An insta buy for me is the Black Bay Pro that currently exists, but with a white dial. That would be an insta buy for me. I love the Rolex Explorer 2 with a polar white dial. I know Carl's a big fan of that one these days. I, I not that I introduced. I kept saying, "Look at that dial. Look at that Explorer." And then the the Black Bay, and I've seen renderings of the Black Bay Polar. Yeah, check what I just sent you. They made a Everest bands today. Yeah, yeah. I'm opening it up. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, it's interesting. I've seen renderings where they go, "What if they are able to do this?" The Polar Pro, or call it something like that. That thing would be so dope. Ooh. I would definitely get oh, that. Oh, yeah. That's nice. If they could do that. So uh, I like the Black Bay Pro. Rafi has it. I was up for brunch with him one day, and and he had it on, and I tried it. It's just a great, great watch. And that's kind of like uh, an Explorer 2 white dial. It is. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Except instead of orange, it's like a yellow, yellow hand um, attainable and a third of the price. So, yeah. Um, I just think that if I got the the Rolex Explorer 2, I like the black dial one. So I was watching, I don't know, there's this thing called, I don't know what it, they don't have in America, they have in Australia, they have in other parts of the world. It's like they put all these comedians in a room and they try to get make each other laugh. And then set it on fire. Oh. <laughs> they put all the comedians in the room and the point is they try to make each other laugh and you can't laugh. If you get laughed, you get like a, a yellow card and then red card, you're kicked out of the show and it's really funny. So the main host is this guy. His name's Patrick Huard. He's a comedian from here, and he's the whole time he's wearing this beautiful Rolex Explorer too yeah, with yeah. the black dial. Yeah, bon cop, bad cop. Yeah, 
So he's the host of the show, but he's wearing a beautiful Rolex Explorer too. So good on him. <laughs> good on him. I Very love good an Explorer watches. Uh, with a white yeah. dial, right? Or which dial? Black dial. He's wearing the black dial, which okay. is very nice on the Rolex Explorer too. So that's what I'm hoping from Tudor. I know they're going to do something other else crazy, but that, that's my that's a wish more than a um, yeah. That's a desire. I hope that they bring that in 2024. I don't think it will happen necessarily, but yeah, that's my my next one that was there. You got anything else? I got a few here. That I want to just share real quick. Well, not about Rolex anymore or Tudor. I have you know a comment, basically a quick comment on uh, the recent. Acquisition of Universal Genève by Breitling. Yeah, right. Obviously, like we, we talked about it in the previous episodes, Breitling with uh, George Kern will not take it lightly. Meaning they will, you know, take their time and they will make something very good out of Universal Genève, bring back its historical power. I think um, what we might see though this year is potentially an announcement of models to come. I agree. That's what I had in my notes. That's I think that the first um, I think the first watch they're probably going to go for the home run is is the pole router. Yeah, and, and a slightly bigger size. Think, you think? Then well, I mean, it has to be more than the thirty-eight. 34. I think it's going to be like 38, 38 thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Yeah, perfect, perfect. I would say like between thirty-seven, well, I think it's and be thirty-six, and thirty-eight would be perfect. You want to price it up there? So okay, you're pricing it IWC Ingenieur price, fifteen grand Canadian, you something think, like that. You think Let's it's going to be that? Something. I think it's be like twelve, thirteen, right. fourteen thousand yeah. Canadian. Say it's like that with a in-house proprietary movement, right? Obviously, I mean for that price, it has to be. Uh, Maybe, think. or they link themselves with like Vaucher, a manufacturer Fleurier, so they they supply Parmigiani Fleurier, Chopard, Piaget. Because that watch needs a micro rotor, and that'll be able to justify the price. IWC Ingenieur got a lot of criticism. The main criticism was this movement I can find in the Bowman Mercier, yeah. Bowmatic five-day movement for five grand. You want me to pay 15,000 and make it uh, unique because it's IWC? Hmm. So I think if they're going to do it well and they go with micro rotors, they're going to have to justify the price. You can go get a Vaucher movement. You go link up with Parmigiani Fleurier. You go get someone that's doing micro rotors and you make it beautiful and you hit a home run on that front and you justify that price if it's going to be 12 grand. If not, give me a, a, a you know, a Breitling price at eight, well, seven, eight thousand, and then on the green market. You know, a, a question, and Carl, if he was here, he would have been. I'm sure he would have commented on this, uh, corrected me. I mean, uh, like, okay, I'm thinking of the world of cars, right? The yeah. well-known English brand Range Rover, well, Land Rover, who makes Range Rovers, they use BMW engines. All like the, for a very long time, they've been using BMW engines. So, like, even the most the highest priced uh, Range Rover will have a like a performance version of a BMW engine. Sure, the performance version of a BMW is you know cost a lot of money, but I think a Range Rover is still a little bit more expensive. Like, is that does that take away from the brand or the car or in this watch in this case from watches if the mechanism itself? Could also be found in a less expensive. I guess the I agree that the price. But difference the word is you huge. just said. The word you just said is less expensive. If they go to, for example, if they start using Vaucher, which is a movement manufacturer that supplies micro rotors, they supply micro rotors to Piaget, to Laurent Ferrier, to um, Parmigiani Fleurier. You're talking about watches that are in the same price range that are very high up there. That are all of all of the high end independent watchmakers use Vaucher based movement. So, I think it gives them cred. The same with. Uh, Louis Vuitton align themselves with 
Fabrique du Temps, which is a high-end, high horology movement maker out of uh, France. So they said, we're go that's going to give us credibility in the movements that we're putting in the car, in the, in the watch in this case. So I think it doesn't diminish it. I think it would diminish it if they try to shove in their own movement and then try to up, up the price because you can get it in a cheaper watch. So you need to get that movement that's aligned with the other, say, level, the other, say, echelon of those watches at that level. That's what I think. So if, you, if you're if you putting a micro rotor that you find in a Parmigiani Fleury that's right. 15 grand or whatever, you go, there, it's legit. Right. Yeah, I agree. Th that's how I see it. Remember that that crazy brand that you were showing, Bradley Taylor, that had the Paragon, these crazy independent brands that we've been sharing in the past. They you they supply they get movements from Vaucher and then they refinish it and they do certain things to it. But Vaucher is a high-end movement manufacturer right. for a lot of these high-end independents. This would be a perfect occasion to align with them, especially the key of the pole router has to be what? Micro rotor. Yeah. And uh, that's it. I, I was gonna ask you right before, but now not anymore about what brand. Manuf what what uh, caliber manufacturer uh, has a high quality micro rotor movement? Those are the ones that I said. Fauché that does it for Parmigiani Fleury, Piaget. Uh, uh, even they've they've supplied it for um, uh, Laurent Ferrier. These are the yeah. It's, it's I'm it's so crazy. excited. Honestly, I'm so excited about Universal Genève. I like oh. I really really love the polar routers and did not buy because of the size. Thirty four is way too small. It's a lot uh, of people's uh, grails. I, a lot of people have that. And, and, and history of that watch is fantastic. It's, it's, the first, it's the first watch that Gerald Genta designed, by the way. Absolutely. So yeah. it's, it, you know, it adds that extra layer of awesomeness to it. I, Absolutely. I'm super excited. But I agree with you. I, th I don't think we see anything. I think we see a rendering. We see an announcement. It'll come in 2025. So hang on. Don't, don't get impatient, everyone. That's our guess for the year. And we shouldn't. And we shouldn't because if they do it right, they couldn't possibly have anything to show so early. So Unless they've already been thinking about it, but they just bought them. So yeah, yeah, give them some time. Yeah. Um, really quick one I'm noticing. I just want to say this. I think IWC and Jaja Lecoute need to do something. I think they're losing steam. I think IWC came out big with the Ingenieur. If they didn't have the Ingenieur, the other lines need something. They're Mark 20. Okay. It was an, a great iteration. It wasn't transcendent or game-changing. They just corrected what the Mark 18 needed correcting. The Ingenieur was like, oh, they brought back that icon, overpriced it. For, for, all, for, for all intents and purposes, I think the, the Bomatic, the Bomme Mercier Riviera is doing more. They're putting a diver, GMT, moon phases, titanium. They're, doing diff they're bringing down the size now to 39. I mean, hell, uh, they're doing some great stuff there with the Riviera, more so than, for example, the IWC Ingenieur. First thing, Jage Le Coutre. Come on, guys. <laughs> Please do something. Do something. Um, <laughs> refreshing. You guys are coming out with some incredible watchmaking, but they're all museum pieces. They're all overpriced. They're all insanely inaccessible. Inaccessible. Sure. Panerai's been in the Richmond group even though this sometimes it's uninspired, they're doing things with with different... They launched a Douay line. They're doing things with recycled steel. They're they're aligning with different ambassadors. They're doing stuff that's there. I find a little bit more um, prevalent and true to Panerai. And I think that Jaja Lekut has been, just been sitting on its past success and its name, and so has IWC a little bit. They need to to revamp that. Portuguese are line, guys. Portofino needs some love. Uh, Jaja Lecote, do something with Reversal. They got really expensive for what they are, I find. Uh, oh my God, Polaris, yeah. I mean, great. Memovox, but they're just so expensive too. Come on. The price so increase was insane on those watches thing. over the pandemic. Oh, I want to, to, to give that line there. Second one I want to share here. Um, oh, yeah. The big 
trend I've been seeing in 2023 has become the Gata Watch. A lot of Gata Watches. A lot of... It used to be Diver, I think, two years ago, and it was Gata Watches. But what I'm noticing this year a little bit more, even in the micro brands, which I feel like very bold, we've been talking about it, dress watches. They're coming out with much more dress watches. Are dress watches going to take the spotlight in 2024? I don't know. I'd like to see that. I think dress watches are going to make a little bit of a comeback um, and take, take a little bit of steam. But yeah, a lot about the Gata Watch... I think the dress watch is going to take a little bit of fun here. The Raymond wheel there, for all intents and purposes, could be considered a dress watch that you see there. The 1908 from Rolex, which was, I think, one of their better releases with the Rolex Yachtmaster and Titanium, was a dress watch. A lot of fun dress watches coming out. I've seen in micro brands. They're going away from the Diver as their first watch, and they're going to either Gata or somewhere down to the dress watch. I like that. Interesting. Interesting yeah. that you, yeah, I didn't think of Gata, but uh, maybe you, right? It is, and it's a great type of a watch to produce. Uh, maybe interesting. I um, I also kind of felt or have a sense of a lot of collaborations, especially in the second part of the year. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at second, second, it's just there's just so many. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, it was one collaboration every so so often, and then it's like uh, towards every the month. end of the year, it was like yeah. uh, every month. New collab- Atelier new collab- went new this, this, this. Yeah. Whoa, and Timex. The they, they had one, the secret release in like five Timexes in a day and a week. I was like, what? <laughs> the Atelier one was absolutely gorgeous, but there's a lot of thought in it, right? Like some of them, like the Atelier one, they put more time. I think there's yeah. more thought in the, in making them. Whereas I would say Timex one again, different price bracket it's more of a just like an image that was put yeah. with a specific reference to something. Um, I think we will see a lot more collabs this year. Obviously from second second, I think it's like it's it's ramping up. It's going to be more and more. And it's going to be, it's going to continue doing it. It's going to continue producing uh, a collab a month or even more than that. But in general, I think we'll see more. So, it's interesting to see. And I'm curious uh, what to expect. I think it's great that you say that because that was my last prediction here. What oh. is going to be the next collaboration with Swatch in the Swatch group? It's almost like we finished each other's sandwiches. Yes. That's <laughs> yes. what I was thinking also. Um, yes. People think, what brand are they going to collaborate next? No, I think they're going back with Omega. I predict the C-Swatch. They did a good job with the Blancpain. Uh, Swatch Pain, whatever you call it. They were able to get 100 meters of water resistance. I think you're going to come out with, a, really don't like that one. with an Omega Seamaster collab. 100 meters of water resistance probably use a system 51 movement, have some fun there and come out with some, some cool designs. I'm going with the C swatch and I think that one will be a, a steam up. I think it's going to be a home run, um, a little bit more than the blanc. Bain. I was at the swatch store. They had them all in stock. They go, oh, do you want one of the swatch bank? They have them all in stock. All the moon swatches were there except for still the mercury and the moon. And uh, the one that's uh, the, the one that looks the most like a Speedmaster and the one that's all black. So I think it's Mercury and Moon. Uh, but they had every other one as well. So they're, they're readily available. So whoever, the proof there is never ride the hype and buy over MSRP, guys. Just wait if you really like that watch. And um, I am a hater. A hater of those. I don't like the Swatch, uh, the Moon Swatches. I hate the Swatch Pains. Uh, it's just because I spend more time looking at reviews and I've watched videos of people who own them to, to talk about them. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I haven't found a single, say, YouTube watch enthusiast reviewing and raving about it. No, I, uh, I've seen a uh, few more about the Swatch Bang. I think they're more thoughtful. 
I like they're the more swatch thoughtful, back. but the quality is just not there in the price. Yeah, uh, it's just because like that movement is is not great. The and then you have to throw it out. It's not a serviceable yeah. movement. That's right. That's right. It's unfortunate. It's a if it's a, yeah. it's a gateway yeah. to other watches, that's perfect. It's a weekend disposable it's a, watch. It's a gateway to an empty wallet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think you can't deny the stats. I mean, yes. let's be honest here. They're making... 100 to maybe $200 per watch in profit. Let's be fair. It's two, it's four to $500 to selling price Canadian. Say they're making one to $200 of profit. Let's say two, 50% profit. They sold a million moon swatches last year. One out of 13, one out of every 13 watches that was exported from Switzerland was a moon swatch. Yeah, that, that's a. That's a that's if it's two three hundred dollars of profit and they sold a million that's three two to three hundred million dollars of profit just for swatch it's a no brainer. Anyways. I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree. They got to ride uh, this way, but but it's a mass market. Yeah, they they, they obviously in terms of a, a business and business investment that's that that's a no brainer. Uh, but as a fan of no. uh, Omega, I'm not a fan of this no. in general. Very good. That was one of my uh, predictions there. Yeah, it's very good. We're we're now over an hour. I think maybe we could uh, take a break unless you want to continue because we, we haven't talked about our resolutions and I think that might take another... Oh, these are all part of my resolutions. So. I have, well, pff, predictions, resolutions. I have one more. No, here. but I mean, and per personal resolutions about your watch collecting. Go for it. I have you one have or any? two. Okay, go. Okay, okay, sure. So, uh, as usual, like, and I kind of looked at my. Uh, we did a uh, resolutions for 2023. I, yeah. This is 2024. And if, you know, in case anybody is not aware that the year right now is 2024, it is going to be interesting. Well, again, part of my predictions is that uh, the Seamaster is coming out. If it happens, I'm going to have to narrow down my collection because once I if I if I own that diver and now no I'm not gonna wear any other divers. And I you know I I wanna I think finally buy some interesting vintage piece. Maybe I'll go the Russian route. I, I was actually very curious when I was looking um, at the racket watches that pulsometer or medical watch. That was very cool. Right. Attainable, very attainable. So a couple hundred bucks. Very interesting. Um who knows, you know, like if it's going to be more and more difficult to buy things from Russia or not. Uh, but uh, right now you can still do it. It's Maybe I'll go that route, but I'd like to find an old one, not the recently produced one, the one that says USSR on it in Russian. That would be cool. Just explore the vintage pieces. Again, I have never purchased a vintage a pre-owned watch before. The only one I have is the ones that you guys bought me also, Racket, the World Timer. Um, I want to narrow down my collection because especially this year, I think I've, I bought a few watches. I've, I have another diver. Um, I, I don't, I just know myself that I don't own, I don't, sorry, I don't wear them as much. I usually cycle between two, three watches, but I have like, I don't know, 15 maybe. So it's just, they're sitting there for no reason. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll send them to some better hands and they will get somewhere instead of sitting in the box. So exactly. that's the that's the other thing. But I'm so kind of into independent watch brands that unless it's like a, a grail, I don't really care about big brands, to be honest. I mostly look at the independent brands. I, I'd like to have a I'd like to have an um, an integrated bracelet. I really like that Christopher Ward the twelve, a fantastic looking watch. But 
There's so much stuff that's coming out. Maybe I want to try something from a new independent brand that I didn't own before. Again, I was so incredibly impressed with the Lacos, especially that Din uh, 85 something something. I can't remember what the, the name is, but um, oh yeah, it's the so it's Laco Hamburg GMT Din 8330. That was such a crazy looking awesome watch, amazing, really like that one. So that's pretty much it on that side, I think. My resolution to link that narrowing down the collection is to yeah. scale down, sell, sell, sell. I have a lot that I bought. Yeah, I have a lot that I'm selling too. And it's funny because I always get texts after from some people they know, oh, you're selling this? I go, yeah, it's not getting risk time. <laughs> That's all it is. It's not an insult. People are like, is it a bad watch? I'm like, it's not a bad watch. It's a great watch. It just, I don't get much risk time out of it. So I'm going to sell it. That's it. There's nothing wrong with that. But people are looking for confirmation bias, right? They want to make sure. Yeah. It's uh, that, you know, the decision they're making is a good one. So they just want to confirm that you're not selling it because it's shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, it's, it's not something shit. else. Dimitri, can I tell you, ask you a question? What was the watch you wore the most in 2023? Ooh, interesting question. Your Speedmaster? No, I think it's a 50-50. I think that's actually, I actually, I think it's, I think it's a, I think it's a 30-30-30 or 33-33-33. Between the, the, between the Hudson, between the Speedmaster and the Explorer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've now, I mean, cause I got the Seek Wards later in the year, so, as well as the, the Nevada Gretchen. I think lately, if you consider the last few months, I probably wore um, the Sea Quartz quite a bit. Mine was almost not worn at all, the Hudson, because I was just, you know, I had another diver and I was wearing it all the time. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, the one the one watch that I didn't get a lot of wrist times, for, even in the summer, for some reason, because I kept wearing the, the Hudson, was the, the Casio G-Shock that I yeah. got. The Japanese one. It's not going anywhere. I'm never going to sell it. It's it's a fantastic watch. The one that's an atomic, that's a super carbon core. Uh, it's just that I, I want to try to wear it a bit more because it's an amazing watch. Yeah. But yeah, that's a and you on your side. I don't know. I'm going to start tabulating time in 2024. That's one of my resolutions. Try to track a little bit of the time of what I'm wearing. I think there's by just because of the office I've been wearing um, since I got it a little bit nonstop is my Moon watch. It's um, a French micro brand. I'm going to talk about it. On this podcast, there's a few watches I want to talk about that came in. Um, my Arcus as well. I got an Arcus purple dial, beautiful in-house dial, in-house hands, uh, limited to like 20 pieces, 10 pieces of color, I think. And he did the same mod. He modified the movement to be, it took a GMT movement and then turned it into a regular watch. So that what happens is you can move the hour hand independently and never stop the time. So it's like great for traveling. Anyway, um, it's a... Uh, just a few things there. My Nomos, I wear a lot of my Nomos. My Panerai, I wear a lot of my Panerai. I don't know. Even if I sometimes I'm like, oh, do I want to sell, keep this? I just it, I gravitate towards it. I just put it on. It's perfect to go do my day-to-day. Who was... Yeah, it's me. Was it yeah, you? Yeah. Who somebody... I heard somebody, maybe it was you. I heard somebody say that every time I want to sell it, I put it on. I'm like, yeah, no. It's stay. It's yeah. okay. I, I, kind of, I kind of feel the same. Panerai And is, I think my favorite watch in my collection, design. believe it or not, it's not even my Submariner. It's not, it's, it has to be my Tag Heuer monocle, my Caliber 11. Steve McQueen. Every time I put it on, when I haven't put it on in a while, I'm like, fuck, this thing is just perfect as a chronograph. It's so iconic. It's so beautiful. It's so, like it's nothing oh, else yeah. that I own, oh, just like the it Panerai. Is. It is. Um, anyway, I just love it. Uh, anyway, th- th- so it's maybe it's a five, 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 <laughs> not 30, 30, 30. I, but, yeah, that's a little bit yeah. less there. Speaking of tags, I just. <sighs> 
the 60th anniversary Carrera that they have now is maybe one of the nicest watches I've ever seen. I'm not even kidding. That chronograph is just amazing. It's like 9,000 bucks. Would have been 7,000 bucks like five years ago they released that, but because it's the same price yeah. as the Monaco, but it's just fucking amazing. Yeah, it is. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The glass box, that's, that's the term. That was the other resolution, for. keep reading. I love reading a lot about watches. I think there's a lot of history out there. You get deep diving into different subjects. Christmas, I got a book on G-Shock. Which I suggest anyone who wants to get it, it's half off. It was like 85 Canadian dollars. A beautiful coffee table book about G-Shocks. Ooh. Uh, right from the G-Shock website. It's great. It's fantastic. The pictures are just incredible. All of the history there. It's just fun reading. But you just gave me yeah. you just gave me an idea. Like I wish, and what, maybe there is, but I'd like to see like a Casio book, you know, just all of the models. Because G-Shock is obviously deservingly uh, a separate book. But, uh, you know, like I'm actually looking to buy yeah so i have the f91 right but i want to buy like a slightly souped up version of it with a with yeah, bracelet yeah. it's funky but still a bracelet yeah, it's a great I really watch. want a casio data bank calculator that's a cool watch right yeah, why not it's so maybe i'll get that just you know from why not guys that wraps up our inaugural episode of 2024 it's gonna be an exciting year we hope that you guys can join us and we hope that you guys have some great resolutions don't be too hard on yourselves Enjoy the hobby. Enjoy learning about it. And uh, it's going to be a good year. What do you think, Dimitri? Yeah, yeah it's going to be a year. <laughs> <laughs> Started off good. <laughs> All right, boys and girls. We will see you on the next episode. Cheers, everybody. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you like our podcast, please make sure to like and subscribe. You can find us on Instagram at Big Black Clock Watch and through email at info at BigBlackClock.Watch. Happy hunting, and we will see you on the next episode.